Welcome to Hidden God, a podcast where we explore issues of theology and culture provided by Tulsa Bible Church. If you'd like more information, check out our website at tulsabible.org. Well, hey, welcome back to Hidden God. This is episode one of season three. I'm joined by Jared Verweel. He's co-host. Co-host. That's right. My co-host. Um, let yeah. you let you call all the shots, all man. All right. Hey, sweet. I am the host. He is the <laughs> co-host. Um, we'll see how long we keep him around here um, in this podcast. So we're kicking off season three. We're going to try much harder this season. I feel like the last two seasons were good. Um, well, in the moment, they felt good. And then every time I go back and listen, I think, Daniel, why are you saying everything that you're saying? You shut up, man. It, t- it takes a while to find your groove, man. Mm-hmm. Dancing, <laughs> work. Sk- In that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So obviously already we're starting off on a really good foot for season three. Yes. So um, actually today I wanted to share with you, Jared, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, Oof. the story of, of how, you, are you familiar with Jim Gaffigan? I am. Comedian. comedian. Yes. Um, the, the story of how he at one point in time asked to have his picture taken with me what yes i, I know not I, not you asking for no, your picture with him he's no. asking for a picture with you i didn't even know who he was wow. and he asked for his picture taken with me okay so I, now at the time okay i was i was a freshman in high school i knew who jim gaffigan was he was like one of my heroes and i was an actor i was a theater student and one of my friends his mom was doing some some fundraiser thing for sheltered animals wizard of, it was it was wizard of paws so it was like this thing for dogs but it's based on the wizard of oz movie i get it i yeah. get it man yeah, great saw, play on words the pun there yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway so i was hired to be to play the scarecrow so i would just be the scarecrow from the movie wizard of oz and i'd run around in my scarecrow costume and pretend to be him and people would take their pictures with me and so I'm walking, I'm in downtown, I'm in my scarecrow costume, I'm walking into this hotel, the event's about to start in like half an hour, so I'm walking in, and Jim Gaffigan comes walking out of the hotel, he had stopped in Tulsa on his way to Kansas, and he, he stops me and says, hey, can I have my picture taken with you? And I didn't know who this guy was, I didn't recognize him, he looks so much different in person. And I was like, wow, yeah, dude, I don't care, you know, whatever. So we take our picture, his associate takes the picture of us, <laughs> Jim Gaffigan walks off. I'm about to go into the hotel, and his associate says, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, I have no idea who that is. And he's like, that's Jim Gaffigan. And I was like, my jaw fell on the floor, and I like booked it. I chased him down, and I was like, I need my picture with you. (laughs) Why Why do you want a picture with me? So I got my picture with him, and it's actually on his Instagram several years ago, like five years ago. If you can scroll back five years on Jim Gaffigan's Instagram, really far back. I'm going to do it. He posts like eight times a day, so it's going to be a lot of scrolling, but it's back there, and it's a picture of me wearing a scarecrow costume and Jim Gaffigan. Dude, you acclaim to fame. I know, right? It's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. I I have... I've seen famous people. I've never got a picture with a very famous person like that. That's right. that's impressive, man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of like that's the, I think that's the only picture I've ever gotten with a, a famous person. He asked to have his picture taken with me. I well, felt pretty good. Would you like to have your picture taken with me? No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Yikes. This Yikes. is so classic. Man. So classic. Do you know why, um, you know, talking about the scarecrow sure. thing, do you know why the crows are so enamored by the scarecrow? No, why? Because he is outstanding in his field. I'm not going to laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was uh, that was one of the jokes that was shared at our elder meeting last oh, night. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Man. That's great. Okay. All right. So, well, yeah, I got that going for me. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. We should do that on, on a future podcast. Just uh, share of our, all of our dad jokes. Man. Yeah, That that is... That's right there on the top. This top is what list. you guys have to look forward to in season three. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. And pictures with celebrities. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start um, season three. We've got a, a tried to map out the semester for us this year. Uh, we're looking at about 15 episodes, 14 episodes, something like that. And one of the things that we want to spend the most amount of time on in season three this spring is uh, gender and sexuality issues. Uh, big, hot cultural topic. Uh, super relevant for for today's audience for our listeners. So we're hoping that you will stay tuned and and moving to gender and sexuality issues. Uh, we're going to be researching this along the way and hopefully providing some good biblical insight into it. We've got a couple uh, related to that. A couple episodes on pornography, mm-hmm. uh, gearing one episode toward men, one episode toward women. We'll have some special guests. Um, but we want to start this episode, this, this first season, uh, third season, first episode of the third season with, um, topics on addictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about addictions. And and, and the reason we're going to start with addictions is because if you look in our, in our culture, which, you know, Jared, you and I were talking about this the other day. If we look at our culture, our culture is, is largely driven on satisfying yourself constantly finding satisfaction in life. I mean, you can't go from point A to point B anywhere in Tulsa, Oklahoma without seeing huge signs advertising, you know, two for $5, super high sodium fattening foods, you know? And it's like, we're constantly looking for satisfying the self, you know, almost our entire um, livelihood revolves around that. And as a result, addictions are quick to be, to be built up. Um, and so, you know, if you look at like pornography or something like that, this, this whole issue of pornography, I mean, sexuality in our culture is a big deal right now. We are living literally inside, we are living in the sexual revolution. Hmm. Um, people are, are discovering their sexuality and all this. And it's just, it's crazy how much we're, we're becoming, um, so manipulated by it and our, and our minds are being influenced. Our children are being influenced by this. We need to understand, you know, as I'm, as I'm working with youth, understand they are being influenced by it. They are very aware of what this is. Um, and so we, we want to talk about, you know, sexuality in the, in the sense of addictions, because, since we are a culture that's constantly looking to satisfy the self and we, it's easy to become addicted and then we're living in the sexual revolution, whether a lot of people like to admit it or not, there are a lot who are becoming more and more addicted to pornography or sexuality in general than we would like, than we care to admit, or even than we know. Yeah. Sports industry, I would put up there is one of the most uh, lucrative money-making industries mm-hmm. that's out there right there alongside of it is, has got to be the sex industry. Yeah. This is something that has invaded our culture. And so we want to try to stay ahead of the things to equip our parents, yes. equip ourselves to handle a culture that's going to bombard us with images and, and worldly thoughts on this topic that God created 
so different than what we're seeing yeah. in the media and, and in our world today. But let's start out. Let me give a definition because this episode is all about addictions. We're going to spend this episode on it and next episode as we progress toward that specific pornography issue. But in order to understand addictions, it's really helpful to to define what we're talking about. One of the definitions I want to share comes from Cornelius Plantinga. It's a book on sin that he wrote called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. And here's how he defines addiction. He says, an addiction is a complex, progressive, injurious, injurious, and often disabling attachment to a substance or behavior in which a compulsive change of mood is sought. And there's a lot of things about that. Uh, definition there, but progressive, something that injures you, uh, debilitating and disabling Hmm. attachment to a substance or behavior. This this opens the gamut a little bit, but I think that's a good place to get us started. Yeah, absolutely. And and Ed Welch actually provides a a completely different definition, but I think it still kind of goes along really well. He says that he defines addiction as the bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or state of mind, which then becomes the center of life defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and leading to further estrangement from God. So he specifically puts addiction, the definition of it, right in the realm of spirituality. Yeah, and I love that because when we're talking about addictions, you're going to go right to this this idea of sin in our spiritual relationship to God. Um, Proverbs 9, I want to go right to a passage here in wisdom literature. It is amazing how relevant the wisdom literature written thousands of years ago is to today's issues. It's incredible. And throughout Proverbs, you hear a lot about um, sexuality and women. Uh, Even wisdom is pictured in Proverbs as a woman. Folly Mm -hmm. is pictured as a woman. In Proverbs 9, it depicts this great banquet that's before us. You know, you've got a kind of two banquets that are always before you in the world. There's the banquet that is provided by God. We would call it the kingdom of God. Hmm. And then there's the banquet of the world that we would just label as uh, self-kingdom, hmm. our own kingdoms, the realm of, of Satan and worldliness is putting out a banquet table for you. Hmm. And we are, at any given moment, we're going to eat from one of those tables or from the other tables. We're going to live our life right. based on one choice or the other choice. And I want to read Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. And I'm just going to substitute the word addiction for the woman folly is, is how Solomon puts this. In verse 13, it starts this way. The, the woman called folly, addiction is brash. She is naive and she does not know anything. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who are passing by her in the way. Who go straight on their way? Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Addiction says to those who lack understanding, stolen waters are sweet and food obtained in secret is pleasant, but they do not realize that the dead are there Hmm. and her gifts are in the depths of the grave. And that, that final phrase there, her gifts are in the depth of the grave. Uh, Ed Welch wrote a book called addictions, the banquet of the grave Hmm. to depict exactly what addictions are. This is how they, how they lure us. Wow, that's a, that's an incredible passage to go to. I think it, I think you're hitting it right on the dot. Man, addictions lure you. Mm-hmm. There's something attractive about them, mm-hmm. and they always look really good until the lights are turned on. Right. In right. The, in the darkness, 
when you're fooled by sin mm-hmm. and you're taken captive to it, it looks really good. But man, it's a it's a dark complexion. It's a dark view of the yeah. world. Absolutely. Why do you think? Let me ask you this question. Why do you think addictions are so prevalent in our culture? Well, kind of like what we were talking about earlier is that you know our culture is constantly focused on satisfying the self. It, it revolves a lot around, around our it desires. We, it puts desires into our hearts um, that we constantly want to fulfill. So addiction, all addictions are rooted in desire. God created us. He gave us desires. He gave us longings. He gave us a longing for sex. You know, there's, right. we have, I mean, that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But whenever we constantly want to indulge in that desire outside of the context in which he created it, that's when addiction can be easily formed. Right. Same with, you know, almost anything else, food. You can desire food. Well, there is such a thing as food that you can have. But if you go to food outside of the context in which you should eat it, which is when you're hungry, you can easily create an addiction to it. Yeah. All kinds of things that um, it's okay to have desires, but addictions begin with those desires and they twist them, they morph them. Right. Most secular counselors approach addictions as a disease. The issue with this is that when you view addiction as a disease, the the addict is nothing more than a victim. Right. There is no um, accountability. There is no, they are not at fault for their addiction at all. When it, biblically we see addiction for what it really is, it should be analyzed under the category of sin. We know addiction begins because our sinful nature has taken a naturally good desire and twisted it into something evil. And so biblically, we're going to we're going to come at this the same way we would choose to pursue any kind of sin. And, and the reason that addiction is so prevalent in our society is because sin is so prevalent in our society. Right. Yeah, no question about it. And Satan, Satan can't create anything. Mm. There's there's one creator that's God and God alone. Yeah. So all Satan can do is take the things that God has created as good mm-hmm. and manipulate them and shift them into something that is not healthy, hmm. right? So every addiction that you could probably have is, has been, it's, it comes from something that God created as good, mm-hmm. uh, drink. God created us, created drink for us to enjoy and wine, um, sex. You think about the desires there. I always tell like teenagers and, and young guys, like if you desire the opposite sex, that's good. That's actually a, a really good thing. You are wired right, mm-hmm. is what we might might say about that. Um, but it's when we we take those desires out of God's context and and we use those desires in a way that He doesn't want us to pursue them. Mm-hmm. That's when we get off track and and things will go sideways pretty quick. Absolutely. And, and when we go to Scripture, we can certainly use Scripture to try to you know solve the issue or or attack the issue at the core. Proverbs, like you just said, gives us plenty of insight into this. It's, it pictures all of life as a path, and like you were saying, walking to a kingdom. So we travel toward a kingdom either where God rules or a rival kingdom where we attempt to live on our own and, and manage our own lives. Um, you know, it, addiction is the battleground where your loyalties are revealed. So all addiction starts with a series of choices, right? And, and within this battleground, you have two options. You can either die to yourself, your addictions, and, and, and submit to that, or you can die to God. Man. Yeah, and addictions can be anything. Yeah. it's you, You're talking about, again, food, drink, shopping. You can be addicted to video games. Yeah. Today, you can be addicted to uh, products that you would purchase, coffee. Mm-hmm. I love coffee. Me too. There's not, I might be slightly addicted. I might be slightly <laughs> addicted to coffee as well. It's crazy. Uh, Dr. Pepper for our, our sound producer mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. 
um, addictions range. There's a wide range of addictions from something could be very mild in its addiction to just devastating yeah. and, and debilitating and, and life altering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so let me ask you this question at a very basic level. Um, how, how do addictions work? That's a great question. And I think it's important to, to focus on this just so when we feel the tug in our desires towards something that uh, is a, a greater tug than toward God, we need to acknowledge that and stop it in its tracks. Hmm. Um, addictions typically start with a distress. Hmm. There's, there's something in your life that's out of your control that causes stress, something that it's, it's just not right. It's putting you in a place where you're not happy, you're not content with what's going on. Perhaps uh, we think about careers, job losses, things that are happening in your family, experiencing suffering, something like that. All addictions will typically start with a distress. Then the self-defeating turn from that distress is when we go to an agent to relieve it, uh, a substance, something, mm -hmm. even maybe someone that we believe is going to give us a relief from that situation. And an addict is, again, when you talk about desires, an addict longs for something to get through that distress, that situation that they're in. And this is where, this is where counseling will probably stop. Hmm. Okay. Hey, Daniel, you've had this in your life. It's, it makes sense that you're going through this period of depression or anxiety or something like that. Let's, um, let's talk about what triggered that mm -hmm. and identify it. And if you can identify it, then you can make some changes from there. Christian, Christianly speaking and biblically speaking, we've got to go a little bit deeper than that mm. because you're not pursuing an agent or something to relieve a distress just to get through that. You're pursuing it for a deeper reason. There's a reason why you're going to something that's deeper than that. And so addictions are not just um, a longing in your belly for more food or your taste buds for mm -hmm. something in particular, but it's actually a deep longing in your heart. Hmm. And you convince yourself, the addict will convince themselves that this thing or this person is really going to take away the pain. It's going to give, give what they need for satisfaction. And, and to get through it in a pleasurable way. We convince ourselves that the agent will deliver satisfaction. And, and the truth of the matter is that only God can ultimately satisfy. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. You know, we keep going back to the fact that this all begins with desire. And James, in his letter to the church, he wrote about this in chapter four. Well, what we call chapter four of his letter, um, starting in verse two. I'm just going to read this for us really quick. Verses two through four, he says, you desire and do not have. <clears throat> Sorry, you desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. I mean, just right from the start, he's, he's addressing the fact that we do have desires, right? Um, and the reason that we, we don't receive these desires is because these people who he's writing to, which are Christians, by the way, um, they're asked, they have the wrong motives for those desires. A lot of times, you know, desires are not wrong, but having the wrong motive with that desire is what often will get you into trouble um, and, and distort the relationship that you have with God. 
if, if addiction is an attempt at fulfilling a desire, then, then we have replaced God in our hearts at that moment. Hmm. We have made ourselves enemies with God. And that's really, I think, what the ultimate goal uh, if the end, if we were to say the devil was behind this, right. I would say that would be his ultimate goal with getting people addicted to things. Right. Yeah. And and this is James is is nailing this. He's nailing all of us right between yeah. the eyes. That's right. He talks about passions and he starts and he talks about those desires. And here's the big difference between everything else and God. Everything else that you pursue, you'll have a desire for it. I have desires. Um, I have certain pleasures that that I enjoy. Right. But anytime I get fulfillment in that area for a time, Mm. there's always a desire for more. It never completely fulfills. So the next time I have a desire for that same thing, I'm going to, I'm going to want it just as much, if not even more than the last time. And you've got this cycle of delusion that ensues for the addict that is almost impossible to break. It is impossible to break on our, on our own power. But man, how many people struggle with addictions, convincing themselves this time, this one more drink is going to be satisfying. Right. This one more viewing of this video is finally going to satisfy. I'm finally going to get there. And every single time they just keep coming back for more. Yeah. Keep going back. I I just want a million dollars in the bank. No, I just need $2 million in the bank. Then I'll be happy. Right. No, I need 2 million and a really nice house. Then I'll be, then I'll be good. Right. It's, there's this pursuit that just keeps going on over and over again. In the word, um, talking too, too much here, but the word that James uses in verse three is passions hmm. to display that. Hmm. Every time I come across this word in the New Testament, I stop and explain it. The Greek word is epithumia, and thumia means desire mm-hmm. or longing. When you put that epi prefix in front of it, it makes it even stronger. So it's a, a super desire hmm. or a, an all consuming longing for something that all of your life is going to fall apart if you don't have that in mm. your life. And that's, that's how addictions work. That's how they convince us that, that that's what we need to pursue. And it's so wrong. That's at every absolutely level. right. Yeah. I think that, I think most, um, most Christian psychologists, most Christian counselors would agree that we, all, all human beings have a natural desire for God in their hearts, whether they acknowledge it or not. And addictions really are just trying to fulfill that desire that can only be fulfilled by God. Um, in high school, you know, I was I, I was introduced to pornography in fifth grade, and from there, my my you know young boy curious mind, I mean, all throughout all the way up until college, I was heavily strongly addicted to pornography, and I mean a lot of you know the thing is, a lot of people, a lot of addicts will look at that situation, they'll look at their own situation, and they'll say, you know, you can't control it. You cannot control your actions whenever the urge comes. Um, and, and honestly, it, that really isn't true. The truth is you have complete control of your actions. You have a choice whether you like to admit it or not. It's just that choosing not to would almost feel like you would die. And, and so it's like you have a choice. It's just that you need to choose to die. That's yeah. basically all there is to it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really difficult. But and, and honestly, that's where the gospel comes into play. Um, what was his name? Plantigas? Plantinga, Plantinga, Plantinga. Yeah. In that book that we that you were referring to earlier, he talks about how the very first step in getting through this is to 
admit the fact that you are completely helpless, that you cannot do anything. And this is honestly where I had to come was I had to accept the fact that I am helpless. I cannot beat my own addiction. I can't beat my own sin. I've never been able to beat my own sin. No one can. That's right. kind of the point of the gospel, <laughs> right? And so where, where a secular psychologist would would not go this far, a Christian psychologist picks up scripture and they actually fill in the blanks where, where things are missing. And so if we continue looking um, in James and we chapter four, we look, we skip down to verse seven. James gives a command here and he says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, I mean, that verb there, submit to God. It, when you are faced with your addiction, when you are finally in that moment where you're alone or, or, or the bottle's right in front of you or whatever it is that you're addicted to is, is in that moment, you have a choice to submit to that addiction. And if you're not a believer, your only other choice is, I mean, probably just kill yourself, honestly. I mean, it's, it's pretty terrible. Like, you have no other option in your yeah. mind. Yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, there is hopelessness. There's absolute hopelessness in that addiction. But if you have Christ, if you have God on your side, then you're, you're, you have a second option, and that's to submit to the feet of Jesus Christ. And when you submit to those feet and you drop down and you say, I'm going to give myself entirely to you in this moment, your addiction, your sin, it stands absolutely no chance. And, and he, he takes over. I mean, that's where I had to come to right. eventually was say, you know, in this moment, I just have to choose to just let God take care of it. I have to yeah. submit myself to him. Yeah. And I, and I love what Lewis will say, just to piggyback on what you're saying, He's got this quote that says something like, the long story of human history is people trying to find satisfaction in something mm -hmm. other than God. So when you talk about an addiction, trying to find satisfaction in something, whether it's a pornography addiction mm -hmm. or a baseball addiction, you're going to be bouncing around from one thing to another. This isn't doing it. Yeah. This isn't doing it. This isn't doing it. And you're right. It produces a hopelessness. You know, there's no answer. What in the world is going to gratify me? I don't even want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I have no desire right. to, to keep going. And that's where it just gets so debilitating at the heart level. And I want to, I want to close off and just give a couple points of application as we, yeah. as we summarize here. Uh, one of the things to point out, and of course we're bringing all addictions to the truth, of the gospel, there's really the second that we began this episode and said, hey guys, we're gonna take a couple episodes on addictions. Immediately, certain things came into the mind of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Certain things come into my mind. You know, you're thinking about the biggies, you're thinking about alcohol, drugs, sex, all that kind of stuff. But when you get down to the details of how addictions work, there's really not much of a difference between the addict and somebody who just commits a sin out of pursuing something more than they're pursuing God. So at the very heart level, here's what I want to say. A gospel church is one that will approach sin and addictions in the same way with every person, whether you are addicted to something or not. All of us struggle with sin. Hmm. And at the core of sin, sin works like addictions. We have a desire for something instead of having a stronger desire for God. Hmm. So let's level the playing field right yeah. away at the foot of the cross and at the heart level. There's not a difference between the addict and the sinner in general. We both have a heart level struggle 
in a pursuit of something that God designed that we shouldn't be pursuing out of his, his will and his purposes. A gospel church is sympathetic to addicts because of it. Sin is addictive. Let's not create categories that we shouldn't be creating to elevate one person over the other. Let's just bring everything down to the compassionate level of the truth of the gospel that we all need. Yeah. Man, we all desperately need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like, you know, I like that you say that because in almost all sin that people find themselves in, they always, it's easy to convince yourself that that is the worst yeah. and that you are the worst. Right. Um, and, and that no one compares to you, you know, but uh, I think Paul wrote in first Corinthians 10, he said, you know, no temptation is overtaking you. That's not common to man. Exactly. And, and so you're, I mean, I think it's great that you level, like you said, level the playing field there. It's equivalent to almost any other sin. Right, right. And and we have this stigma mm-hmm. on it. It's like, oh, well, you're, you're kind of a loser. You're in this different category right? because you struggle with an addiction. Well, guess what? You, you sinned mm-hmm. sometime today mm-hmm. and the very same heart desires came into you that an addict struggles with. That's so right. we just need to be really sensitive and compassionate towards, towards those who are struggling in sin or in addictions. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that addictions must drive us to a theology of the heart. If, if we stop with a pattern of behavior, that pattern of behavior can almost always be shifted. Hmm. You know, whether it's a kid in fifth grade who gets addicted to pornography or whether it's a, a, a businessman in his forties and fifties, who's addicted to alcohol. Yeah. Um, those things can shift. So, so again, whether it's sex, alcohol, drugs, we're going to pursue something more than we pursue God let's drive it deeper to a theology of the heart. Let's get down to the, to the basics of how the heart desires things other than God and make sure that we're living in the kingdom of God, how he has shaped our heart and the passions and the pursuits he's given us Hmm. versus the passions and the pursuits of the kingdom of the world. Hmm. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And, And there is hope in the gospel ultimately. I mean, that's really what we're driving at. Man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the, this is this is where the truth of the gospel. This is where we need the gospel every single day. Yeah. Whether we're an addict or not, um, we all struggle with sin, and mm-hmm. we need the gospel to to change our desires at the desire level. Yeah. And and when we start seeing that, that's when our relationships start changing. Um, again, our compassion for the lost, our our efforts to show that compassion and mercy to others, it's just it grows exponentially. Man, thanks for uh, getting us kicked off here in season three. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Well, you know, if you really like listening to heavy discussions about addiction and pornography, you're in luck. You come, come back to Hidden God. <laughs> come you're gonna, back to Hidden God. You're going to be here. This is uh, actually, we're going to be hitting some very relevant topics in terms of yeah. um, struggles in the culture for one thing, but also just social media. Mm-hmm. And things that get censored on social media compared to other things, like yeah. you're not you're not seeing a whole lot of censorship for like transgender issues right now, right? But you're seeing it for other things, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, it's just it's just going to be. Um, I'm really looking forward to season three here. Me Good too. God, going to be exciting. We'll catch you next week. If you guys like this episode, share it with somebody that you know. Uh, you can find more resources on TulsaBible.org or. Go to youtube.com forward slash Tulsa Bible Church, all one word, and you can find a bunch of videos there, including podcast videos. Thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully we will talk to you guys again soon.